Hi, I'm Ted Wolf, presented by Guidewise. Welcome to the Implementers Podcast, where we connect you to the stories and insights of people who have mastered implementation. Why? Because ideas are easy, but implementation is hard. Join us as we uncover the secrets of successful implementation so you can conquer your implementation struggles. I'd like to welcome everyone to Implementers Podcast presented by Guidewise, where we really focus on implementation because we know ideas are easy, but implementation is hard. And it takes a lot of perseverance to to build an organization, for instance, like Pioneer Academics. So I'd like to welcome today Matthew Jaskell. He's the founder of Pioneer Academics. And I'd like to also welcome Bill Brazell, who is a partner with WIT Strategy. So Matthew, if I could start with the year 2012, Pioneer Academics. Let's connect the dots of Matthew that brought you to 2012. Did you have any role models, special experiences, pivotal moments that led to the insight of saying, this is the business that I want to generate, the organization I want to found? Could you tell us a little bit about your background in that way? Sure. So um, interestingly, uh, the uh, founders and uh, entrepreneurs, I think, are often asked about their big aha light bulb moment. Uh, I would say that my uh, development and the development of Pioneer Academics has been much more of an evolution mm-hmm. than a particular light bulb moment. But um, uh, I had always had a very deep interest in um, uh, business as well as East Asian studies. I, I double majored in both of those in college. I had never really been over to um, uh, Asia at all, um, but I had a, a really intense um, uh, love of Chinese martial arts, actually. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of what brought me over initially to to uh, try to um, get a better sense of the culture and, and, and um, an opportunity to learn what it's like over there. Um, and I had I had always been interested in, in in business that was meaningful and purposeful that that made you feel like it was uh, creating contribution and not um, you know I have nothing I think I think it's great for businesses to do whatever they do but to, for businesses that have real positive social impact. Um, so after college, I spent uh, some time uh, over in, in Asia. I had already gotten an opportunity with a, a consulting firm, Anderson Consulting, in the United States and mm-hmm. um, uh, had an opportunity after two years there to take a leave of absence and went, went, went back to China, spent some time there, uh, and just really felt like the, um, the opportunities to develop professionally and explore what life had to offer um, were, were more interesting um, in, in, in doing that. Um, it also, I think, was informative to my perspective on education because I was very interested in learning Chinese. And I had this weird assumption that if I spent a summer over in China, I'd be fluent. Uh, and it doesn't work like that. Surprising. I'm still working on English. Yeah, no, I can, I can, I, I feel that way myself sometimes. Um, but my first foray over into China and learning Chinese uh, was in a classroom. And I just thought, this is the silliest thing. I'm over here in China. I am sitting in a classroom studying Chinese, just like I did in college in America. And I'm not getting there. So the second time I went back, it was with a very uh, strong intention. I went back as, an, as, a, as a language and culture teacher. Um, for uh, Procter and Gamble and Otis Elevator and Kraft, um, uh, basically sent over as a trainer, and I deliberately chose a place that had um, very few foreigners. 
so that instead of sitting in a classroom, um, yeah. I would go out and have to learn Chinese because I had to buy food, you know, and yeah. that was a really um, interesting um, um, uh, perspective on learning something that's really challenging because you have to assess your own, your own level of what do you, what's your interest, what do you know, what do you need, and how are you going to get to your definition of, of fluent? So that yeah. was kind of fun. That sounds um, like an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's some perspective to that, I think, uh, yeah. certainly. Um, so I, I had spent, uh, I had a wonderful opportunity later to join uh, the Economist Group, uh, the Economist Intelligence Unit, which is a sister company uh, uh, to the, the Economist magazine. Uh, I ended up having a really interesting uh, uh, job uh, over there, role over there, where I was uh, providing um, research and uh, um, helping manage a program for C-suite executives of multinational companies that were trying to figure out how to operate over there. So that was that was a, a lot of fun, uh, really interesting. I, I later pursued an MBA, uh, and um, from there, really, it was interesting. I had a uh, sort of another turning point. Um, uh, there were a couple of there was a job offer I had from my MBA uh, with IBM um, in Armonk, New York, and I remember I had brought. I was I was a leader of the. Uh, uh, the Greater China Club over there, and I had brought in. Uh, at, this is at at Yale for my MBA, and mm -hmm. I had brought in this speaker uh, to kind of talk about the Chinese, uh, the China environment, business in China. And he said to me, "So wait, you speak Chinese? You have operated over there for a while. You've got an MBA from Yale, and you're going to go work for Big Blue in Armonk, New York." <laughs> and um, that was that was a big turning point of my saying, "No, I'm going to." I'm going to go back and sort of see where, where things led. And as far as education comes in and that, that development of what led to pioneer academics, um, I was just very interested. Um, as I got over there, I, I, I recognized that there were a lot of students in China who were really outstanding, uh, who were trying to be more, you know, have, have a really outstanding Western education um, and, and really uh, had some difficulty distinguishing their selves and their ability. Um, concurrently, I was, I had done it, uh, I'd been involved in some startup work in some different projects in education. And I was talking to some people in universities over here in the United States. And there was this simultaneous need or this discussion in America that the AP, um, which is typically what students do as a college level course, mm -hmm. had kind of become ubiquitous test prep, that the idea of students really being able, even in America, to really dig into an interest and do something at a high level wasn't forthcoming for a lot of students who might have that interest and potential. And so seeing that this was a global need um, and that there was an opportunity to uh, create um, interest-based pursuits that were at a highly rigorous level, um, uh, we uh, through research, um, we created this uh, model where students, regardless of where they were in the world, whether they're in Los Angeles or Philadelphia, where I am, or, or, or Beijing or uh, Mumbai, had the opportunity to apply to a program. And if they were admitted into this program in pioneer academics, they had an opportunity to do really uh, original, cutting edge research via the internet. 
This was Zoom um, in very, very early days. I believe we were one of Zoom's first 20 or 30 corporate clients, actually. Um, now, Zoom is ubiquitous, but this idea of having students be able to really dig into an area they're interested in and, and, and test and challenge themselves to the level of their potential uh, is not. It's really something we're very much on the forefront of. So correct me if I'm wrong, but they're paired up with other people and they're paired up with some pretty high level professors and academics. So they're being led at a very high level to do some original research. Is That's that correct? Okay. Yes. So key ideas about pioneer academics are that um, students have, we, we have eminent faith in um, the ability of uh 15 and 16 year olds to do work that's much more interesting, much more challenging than most people give them, them credit for. Pioneer Academics basically um, provides an opportunity for, for students of like interest to come together in small groups with an outstanding professor and take a deep dive into a particular area that they're interested in, um, be that philosophy, music theory, neuroscience, we have about 30 different fields. Mm -hmm. And once they have enough of a base in that specific area to then figure out through that deep dive, this research question that they uniquely want to pursue, and then to work with that faculty member one-on-one -on -one from ideation through a finished research paper that's at an undergraduate level and we are fortunate to collaborate with Oberlin College, which fully accredits the work that's done. So it's, uh, if we think about key philosophies and things that are really interesting, what the key philosophies of Pioneer is the chance for a student, regardless of where they are in the world, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of uh, what their interest is, to be able to pursue that interest before going to college uh, at an undergraduate level and with the most uh, rigorous research process that's out there. Okay. Pretty much as hard as anything they'd receive or, or have to deal with when they get to school. But because it connects to their interest, um, you know, something that, that really lights them up. Okay. So, Bill, what did you find when you came in contact with Matthew? What did you find intriguing and most interesting about, obviously, he put together a different type of option and, and, and solution. What did you find most interesting about that? I, I think I was, uh, I was envious of the students uh, who get to have this experience, to be honest. When I was in high school, um, there wasn't that kind of opportunity to do really high-level research and get mentored through. Um, so I was very struck by the quality of the program. Um, and then also struck, there's some preliminary research, and it's preliminary, but there's some really interesting research suggesting that the, uh, the students who go through Pioneer's program end up more engaged with their college experience. Uh, so they go through it when they're juniors and seniors in high school. And when they get to college, they, they take much better advantage of professors' office hours. They do more extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. And for me, office hours when I got to college was a total mystery. I, I didn't know what this was. <laughs> and they would say, this is my office hours. I don't know what that means. 
but there were students who seemed to know, and there they were. <laughs> and, I, I, it, and I just thought, gosh, uh, it, what a wonderful thing to have students prepared in this way. Um, the confidence that it gives them in establishing informal relationships with their professors as well as formal ones uh, really stood out to me. Yeah, well, a, a topic that really would capture my attention right now is they're being led to how to develop a relationship and bond with a professor, a leader that helps them think in new ways and use, use the tools, if you will, of academia. So artificial intelligence, how's that coming in and affecting and improving really what you're doing, Matthew, with Pioneer Academics? So to be totally honest, everyone's kind of on the cusp of looking at this and saying, where's it going to go and yeah. what's it going to do? And I think there are sort of um, the initial answers uh, are often, wait, how do we make sure we defend what what we do, right? Yeah. How do we make sure when we, um, uh, the, 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 we're honestly in, in academia, the, the, the concern tends to be about plagiarism or tends to be about students really not doing their work. Um, and I think it's a valid concern. Anytime you have disruptive technology uh, and you don't know quite where its effects are going, it's going to be, it's going to be concerning. But um, so we think that defensive need needs to be addressed. We really think you need to, to put in guidelines and parameters for how students how we guarantee that you know students are doing their own work, mm -hmm. but I think to leave it at that is a very um, is is a, it's a it's a shame, frankly, mm -hmm. because the the truth is that um, these artificial intelligence um, large learning large language models um, essentially are another tool, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, the computer is a tool, Zoom is a tool, all these different, you know, uh, Wikipedia is a tool and, and it has to be understood and assessed as it is. One of the big ideas um, about pioneer academics is the idea of um, inquiry-based learning about mm -hmm. students who are doing really self-directed learning. That's where we see students really um, take the bull by the horns, if you will, in terms of um, mastering, taking control of their own education of what happens. And, and we believe that ChatGPT will allow them to do that better if, it, if the learning is structured in a, a way that considers the use of this tool to enhance what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I, I go back, I'm old enough to remember calculators. And when calculators were introduced in my college classes, at first professors were kind of alarmed. But really, when you look at a professor, what they're really trying to help you to do is learn to critically think. And that's what businesses need. And give me a tool like a calculator where I don't have to spend all that time doing these calculations by hand. I have more time to critically think. But now I have a new tool that helps me find critical solutions, not just critical questions. So I would think that it opens up a whole new avenue for you to be able to introduce a new tool, how to think about it, how to develop critical thinking around it. You go to business, what they're looking for now is just how do I collaborate with other people? And this is a great way, I think, to help students collaborate with each other, do more critical thinking, and change the nature of the academic um, foundation, if you will. And I think that's newsworthy. Yeah, I, I believe that 
first of all, I, I will state again, like there are risks that businesses and schools need to consider, whether it's, uh, you know, risks of plagiarism or privacy or all of those other things. A lot of those things are not yet known. And so we have to take careful steps relating to that. But if you think about it, um, when you have a tool and you're thinking about critical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. I think there are two, there are maybe two or three things that in, immediately come up as, as opportunities. And one is the opportunity to ask better questions mm-hmm. or to really think, to really think yeah. about sculpting and crafting questions. This is a big piece of what pioneer academics does. And wh- when I say that, what I mean is that when you think about a person doing research, student, professional, whatever, um, the, the idea, it's not just, okay, here's a question. I want to cure cancer. I, you know, it's sort of, uh, very big boiling the ocean. That's not really how uh, research questions work out. You, it has to be connected to your interest, but we also spend a lot of time developing questions that are original. Like if someone's done it, it's not research, right? Right. It has to be viable. Right. It has to be something that someone can answer within that time, right? It has to be specific enough. Um, and it has to be something that matters. So all of those questions, when you have a tool like ChatGPT or, you know, these large language models, you have the opportunity to play with questions at a much deeper level because you can start to ask what's been done here. You can start to to conceive of questions and ideas that previously weren't possible to, you know, connect the dots on the same way. Mm-hmm. The second area I think that is really interesting relates to the investigative process. For a student to be able to uh, uh, kind of develop their own investigative method for for solving that question they're trying to answer, and I think that uh, ChatGPT or these large language models provide shortcuts for students to do a lot of that work much much faster initially, mm-hmm. and 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 that kind of relates back to your point about calculators or computers or things like that. I mean, slide rules. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Um, And from that perspective, then there's also this critical thinking aspect that also comes out of that, which is these models, uh, uh, these often have some some errors in them. Right. We've seen that Mm -hmm. people actually learn better when they can't just, you know, trust this is Britannica said it. So it's true. Right. And so this really like Wikipedia, you really have to be able to look at, okay, what's it giving me? And how how viable is that? And is that a primary source or a secondary source? And how do I how do I uh, critically mm-hmm. evaluate the the outputs I'm being given to then direct the later inputs? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing I think that's really interesting, and this also relates to business, we can talk about that a little bit, is is that you know from from pioneer academics perspective, a lot of the reasons that students care about these questions is because a lot of people care about them, and these where AI does not uh, um, kind of connect is to the emotional brain of things. So if you want to, uh, you know, have something be successful, you need to be able to not only solve a question, solve a problem, get to a solution or an idea, but actually be able to discuss it, get feedback on it, persuade. Mm-hmm. This is where you talked about interaction, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an interesting part of what's what's uh, uh, the, the, the differential between, mm-hmm. oh, I can do something intellectually, 
but I can actually get the other people in my company on board with this. Right. I can explain to them why it's going to be useful. I could explain why they need to learn that, right? Um, and so there's a lot of things that the human part does that the, you know, the AI part doesn't do. And so we want to let the AI shortcut uh, right. um, the, the parts that we don't want to spend the time on so we can really focus on the things that matter. Yeah. Well, I think if you take a look at the role of what pioneer academics can do, it can really begin to teach students how to think critically in a very structured way, but open up the many new questions, a practical application of that. I don't think AI is there just yet, but they could take a look at an income statement or a balance sheet. They could put a lot of, tie a lot of loose ends together with company information, which would enable everybody to ask that much better questions. And that forces them to collaborate then. And they could understand, well, here's why we got where we got on this income statement. Let's take a look at this. So it's not dependent just on what I think or what a few people think at the high level of the organization. But now you can get critical mass and they can begin learning how to do that through an organization like Pioneer Academics. And businesses are in dire need of people that can critically think but collaborate with each other. And this means I can ask better questions because in my experience, what I found, what differentiates a really good company from an average company is the quality of the questions they ask. It's as simple as that. They simply ask better questions because they can assimilate so much more information. And yeah, I think I, you play a key role in that. I, I, I appreciate that. That's definitely the perspective that, that we take. Uh, we actually ran a, uh, an educational summit um, back in September. And the keynote speaker uh, was a gentleman named Warren Berger, whose book is called A More Beautiful Question. Um, and it's really yeah. focusing on the fact that if you can really get to the right question, or if you can really start to open up your mind to what's what's possible, I mean, that's really where innovation comes from, right? It's, it's not uh, going to be, you know, it may be incentivized by what you're trying to get to, but but how do we how do we get there? And the ability to connect those dots and to say, what's possible? Why are things the way they are? And you know, these are things that I, I think really are instrumental in in making an impact, whether it's in the business or the business's impact um, on society. Well, two things. Then I think a pioneer academics can help bring out the passion in an individual. And there's nothing that gets that passion on fire more than getting some new insights and new ideas and expanding that mindset and then talking to other people about it and getting them excited about it to the same level. That's something that, Bill, I'm sure you would look at and say, that's newsworthy. That's not happening in the average company today. And Pioneer yeah. can be that bridge to help get students there. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, Ted, as you mentioned, passion, I think Matthew has a really interesting perspective on passion. You know, I think a lot of students are told and a lot of adults are told, find your passion. And then, I don't know, somehow everything is going to fall into place and you'll never run into any trouble again. Uh, but Matthew, do you want to talk with Ted a little bit about what you've come to believe about uh, passion and students? Yeah. You know, this is something that I think is a paradigm that students lives exist in and it sort of sets the role of where they they go thereafter right there's this sort of sense that you need to know what your life's mission is uh, you know and have done four things in it before you apply to college right uh, um, so that you have a track record and 
And then you have all these students stressing about, well, do I start with, you know, my mom knows someone in chemistry, should chemistry be my passion? Or, you know, uh, someone said they could find me a tutor in physics. I don't know what I want to do, but, you know, well, I, I think the, we, we, we really need to think about human nature a little bit differently and say that actually, whether you're 16 or you're uh, 32, there's a lot of things that you could be interested in doing and excelling in. So at a student level, the idea that you have to find your one thing, um, you know, like it's something out of Field of Dreams, just it's not really very realistic. Uh, whereas I think it's much more, much more possible to say, look, there's a lot of things you could be interested in. And let's start with, a, you know, give us a couple and, and we're going to, you know, we'll accept you into a research program for one of those. And then you're going to go through a process where you figure out what it is that you're interested in and all those other questions about, is it viable? Is it original? All those kinds of things. Well, in the workplace, it's sort of the same thing. You know, if you mm -hmm. are, you know, I think uh, my experience in consulting was very much, oh my gosh, I got to get the right project. I got to get into the right unit. You know, the grass is always greener. I'm doing sales. I wish I was doing marketing. I'm doing accounting. I wish I was doing finance. But there's, I think a good manager can help people not only help their people, not only by understanding what it is that, what interests they have initially, but also to help them to see development paths in different ways that aren't necessarily, you know, exactly what you're thinking, but to say, hey, there's a really, there's really good, interesting opportunities within this department or within this general scope. And I want to figure out how to connect the dots for you. Yeah. Right. And I don't think there's enough of that. I think there's so much like, oh, if I get promoted, I can have, you know, one level up and then I, I can see what that person's job is. Really, what's interesting to people, I think when we think about business, very often the compensation is a hygiene question. Right. It's got to be good enough. But after that, you know, what is it that's really driving you to perform? And that's usually about something you're very interested in and, 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 and some development path that you're seeing in front of you. I think what I've learned in my life is that um, you can't plan your life out in a sequential manner and say, I'm going to get the right degree, then I'll work for the right company, and then I'll write the, meet the right person, and then we'll have the right children, and everything will end up just fine. I think you jump in the water, you start learning how to swim real fast, and life has a way of unfolding, and you'll find your passion but you'll only find it if you're really involved and have something at stake. You got something to lose, then you're going to find out what you're passionate about because nobody likes to lose. You'll figure out how to win. So in that whole journey of finding your passion, let's say you get into college, college campuses today can be pretty polarizing in a lot of ways. How does Pioneer help whether it's low-income students, any student at all, they get into college, how does it help them mature so they can see the opportunity, they're now in the water, and they don't get so caught up with the distractions and the polarizations that go on? Right. I think that applies to our society in general right now. There's so many people are kind of put into their own mini, you know, miniature communities within the larger community, and very often whether that's a digital community on you know social media or or your news feed or it's a, a, a an actual community, there's the real echo chambers, um, and I think that what Pioneer Academics 
we, we start with this idea of saying, how, how do we pull people together just based on the one common thread is a mutual interest. You're all interested mm -hmm. in poverty reduction. And, but we're very intentional with that of creating these small groups that are going to do this deep dive before they each figure out their individual research question that are diverse. They're gender diverse, they're geographically diverse, they're socioeconomically diverse. Pioneer actually funds 100% of demonstrated financial need for admitted students, regardless of where they are in the world. Um, and that's very intentional because we believe that putting people together from different backgrounds is going to create a really, and creating sort of a, a, putting people together from different backgrounds and then having them engage with each other when they have a common interest creates a natural foundation for communication, listening, and understanding. All of the news I hear about, you know, what we have to do to combat the polarization these days is you have to go and listen to the other people, but you're not really interested and you're not part of their community, right? right. But if you are in a group where you're all talking about, you know, um, uh, uh, some, some aspect of history that's very interesting to you, and you're taking a deep dive into that or in learning and memory or whatever that area is, you know, you're going to need to talk about that, but you're gonna talk about that from your own experience. And the student who is in Bangalore is gonna have a very different experience to talk about their interest in poverty reduction from the student in Berlin. And that right. naturally opens up people's eyes. And through Pioneer, we set up a whole bunch of required engagement aspects. So you're not only in this little seminar group interacting, but once you start your research, we have students all have to do peer reviews. You have to be able to listen and ask questions and critique and reflect on what other people are saying. And that natural process creates an opportunity for you to see the world beyond your echo chamber that so many people live in. I think that'd be a great experience. I'd be interested in it just from the fact that, hey, I can meet somebody from Asia, Africa, Europe, whatever. I'll make some friends and who knows what's going to happen. And it makes me feel better about myself. Um, I think that's a tremendous program. Really, well, my hat's I, off. I appreciate it. And we're, we're very excited for what we see, for the effects that we see that it has on students who really kind of reimagine the world that they're in, uh, either from the people they're interacting with or from their understanding of what education can be like. Yeah. So where do you want to go to from here? Where do you want to be in three years? Where do you want Pioneer to be in five years? What, what does that look like? You've had, what, 4,000 students plus now applying? Mm -hmm per year? Yeah. We're, That's impressive. We're just above 5,000 students uh, th this year. And I, I think a key aspect of what we're thinking about is, is, you know, redefining away from this idea of, oh, it's about doing research, uh, but rather about transformative education, uh, whether that's transformative in, you know, what you're learning or how you think about education. Um, you know, there's so much stuff, especially in the business world about lifelong learners, right? Well, mm -hmm. if you want to be a mm -hmm. lifelong learner, you have yep. to be able to see what, what that academic, that learning experience can be like and chart a future for that. And if, if you're, if we can get you excited about that, when you go into the business world, you're going to be, you know, excited about each new level that you can produce for the organization you work with. Relating to your question specifically, um, we're really interested in thinking about how uh, how we can create 
opportunities for transformative education and the building of community. So it's not sort of so much about research, but it's about pulling together like-minded uh, people and creating this broad community and also being able to interact with the other people in the ecosystem around them, whether that's their high school teachers or their, you know, um, their, their parents and, and supporting them to be as successful as possible. So I think that's a, uh, a paradigm shift from kind of where we came from when in 2012, we had four students and two faculty and it was like, oh, oh my gosh, I can yeah. connect online to saying, yeah. no, we're trying to create uh, um, uh, an innovative change to how education happens for students who are involved. So, Bill, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Um, when I hear Matthew talk about transformation and transformative education, you're really talking about transforming an individual, opening up a whole new window of opportunity and changing their mindset and their beliefs about themselves dramatically, helping them mature, grow up. Bill, take yourself back to college. If you were going to see an opportunity in Pioneer, how would that affect you? How would that transform you? Gosh, it's, it's a really interesting question, Ted. I think that when I think about what it was like when I first got to college, um, I think I just felt very intimidated by the professors. And I didn't, I didn't think that they would want to have any kind of informal relationship with me at all. I just thought, well, they have a lot to deal with and they're doing very important work. Um, and it didn't occur to me that I could ever do work that might be also worthwhile yeah. uh, in the same way. I just thought the same thing I had thought in high school, just try to do as well as you can in the class, try to get a, the right grade. And, and I wasn't really thinking about doing original work. And so I guess what I think when, when, I, when I, I've spoken with a number of the students uh, who have gone through the Pioneer program and, um, you know, there's a lot of impressive students in the world, but what impressed me about these students was the way that they there's a confidence they have and there's an, there's an interest they have in doing something original. Um, there was a young woman I spoke to who was in, she was from Canada. She's now at UCLA uh, as a freshman and she's got into a program for neuroscience and she had never taken a class in neuroscience. Her high school didn't offer it, um, but she took it through Pioneer and worked on a project uh, looking at uh, music as a possible therapy for people with addictions to opiates. And I just thought, my gosh, what an incredible project for uh, a high school student to come up with. Um, and second of all, it was so clear that that project had galvanized, had given her a direction um, and that she was now majoring in that. And I thought, wow, I, I would have liked having a direction too. <laughs> so I think there's something really fascinating about getting, you know, I think the other thing is, I think if you asked most people, they would assume that high school students wouldn't be able to contribute anything very interesting um, at a research level, that there might be some kind of rigorous paper they have to write or something. But could they give you some unique work that uh, that hadn't been done before? And I think what Pioneer is showing every year is, yes, um, th these kids are capable. Um, they, they go through this work and they learn and then they build on that as they get older. And it's really something to see. Mm -hmm. So, Matthew, you're transforming education. You're transforming people in the future. This is a family enterprise, I'm sure. You, your wife, your family, everybody's involved. I mean, that's just part of being an entrepreneur because that's what I would look at you. You are a 
entrepreneur. You're, you're doing something different. You're living it. You're breathing it every single day. What's your single biggest problem or challenge, I'll say, for 2023? You know, that's a, <laughs> that's, that, that threw me for a, that question threw me for a loop a bit. Yeah, I think really. That'll be the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, I think, you know, um, creating an organization that is able to reach across uh, different geographies around the world. I mean, we've been able to do that, and that's been very exciting. But as you scale an organization, there, 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 are, there are real challenges that come up. I, I feel like uh, the water in a vase keeps rising, and you find the leaks and kind of keep plugging them as they go along. Um, but you start to need really fundamental uh, changes. You can't just keep using spreadsheets all the time. You know, you need right. you need systems and you need processes. You need people to get used to them. Um, and so, I think that evolution of of uh, being sort of a um, an early, I'll say, sort of early stage organization, not not a startup really anymore, but really being able to create a a, an, a global organization which has the resources it needs at, at, at the stage it's at and um, to be able to build the culture around that, uh, that vision is a real, is a challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Um, Bill, any last words, any parting thoughts as far as Pioneer is concerned? I, I actually have more of a question for you, Ted, uh, because mm-hmm. I know that you work with a lot of companies uh, around their culture and around and, and the issue of polarization must be one that you have encountered. Um, and I was wondering, as Matthew spoke about the way Pioneer's model helps individuals from different backgrounds to work together, um, what were your thoughts about w- what do you do uh, when you're working with a business that way? Well, the first thing you want to look at is you say, what's the purpose of the business? And Matthew, mm-hmm. I think you've got that defined pretty well. You know who your target audience is, your market, et cetera. Um, the next thing you look at is you say, from the purpose comes their culture. Culture is everything. So how do we get people to think beyond their own self-interest and become a part of a culture that really is going to help each individual grow? Because we all have challenges getting good employees in business today. I think it's not so much what I have in the person is what can I get them to develop and do that goes beyond what they believe they can do. And I think Matthew, you're probably doing some of that same thing in your research for the high school students and pairing them up with a high quality um, professor in business. You got to find good managers. We got to build good managers and good leaders who think about what's best for all concerned the organization, but the people in the organization. And what we're doing is we're trying to marry together high tech and high touch. They used to be mutually exclusive. Today, we got to bring them together. And in working and transforming people, we go in and work with how do you uh, align their purpose and their emotions with the company so that every day they come into work, they're actually working on their purpose. And I think that's probably what you're doing, Matthew, also at a very basic level. You're getting them primed for the college experience, but to think beyond college, just go beyond college, start thinking down the road and get that passion going. So very, very similar things that we're doing, you're doing in the academic area. I'm doing it more with with the uh, the business environment. And then we need someone like Bill to bring the glue together, help us understand the story and get the message right. Because 
getting that message right. I mean, Matthew, I think you said in the beginning of the conversation here, Pioneer was an evolutionary thing. It wasn't just a, a light bulb that went off. And that meant you were getting the message and the narrative in your mind better refined. And I found, all honesty, Bill, we worked with Bill. He helped me clarify my thinking about the business and about the importance of it and what we're doing. And the story kind of changed. So I think all of these things have to blend together today. And, and it really makes people come together, not being polarized. You know, in a business, you can be polarized, but you're just not going to have people engaged. And that same thing would be true with an academic and a student. A professor can make an individual fall in love with learning. We need to do that in business. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely, Ted. I, I, I do have just one more thing to say. As you were saying, I, one of the things that struck me when you said it's not, it's not about just getting into college, it's beyond college. Just like at a business, it's not just, you know, can we make enough profit this quarter? It's can we have a culture that sustains itself? One of the one of the other many things that has impressed me about Pioneer Academics is that it does not focus on getting kids into a really good college. There's a byproduct of the work that these kids do that it certainly helps. But the focus is not that. The focus is how can we help kids ask really good questions and start to take steps towards finding an answer to those questions so that they develop that practice, which stays with them for the rest of their life? Um, that it isn't just a short-term goal, but it's actually a much longer-term goal. How, you're, you're really teaching students how to live. Yeah. Yeah. And businesses will be very appreciative of that because they can take it to the next step and from a practical standpoint say, okay, here's how an organization now works. Here's how you work. Here's how you fit in. We got to come together on a common vision and purpose. And then we got to communicate with each other. We have to communicate in the right way so that we're actually supporting each other, not dividing each other. Right. And that's a good business. So having said that, I'd like to thank Bill. I'd like to thank Matthew for your time coming on Implementers Podcast. If you really think about what's going on, there's challenges and you got to learn to overcome those challenges and get that implementation moving. And uh, a lot of good things come from that. And Pioneer Academics has some very good success stories to talk about. I highly recommend people go on the website and uh, and read about more about Matthew, his story and uh, the great accomplishments and contributions you're making to individuals. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to future conversations. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thanks so much, Ted. Really appreciate the time you've given to this. It's really valuable work. Okay. Thanks a lot. Are you an implementer who wants to share your stories and insights on our podcast? If so, reach out to us at studio at implementors.io.